Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. Hot on the heels of the controversy last week about whether somebody gets out alive or not. Yes. There's a new controversy this week. Indeed. This week, we need to know if anyone will sleep in the woods tonight. Thanks to the film Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight 2020. Thanks to the film We Have Answers? Yeah, we do, actually. I have a complaint. You have a complaint? Yes. Is that the same as an answer? That's, I mean, it, that, that yes. feels like kind of a boomer My, take on things. Uh, I have. <laughs> there's an answer about which I must complain about this title because quite literally the first night they go out to the woods, at least some people sleep. Did they? Yes. There are I people mean, in the morning who wake up. That's true. We don't see any of them. We only see the people who are spending the evening not sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's true. However, but I do think you're right. There were people who slept in those woods, and therefore the title "Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight" from 2020 is kind of false advertising. Yeah, I, I'm a little offended and hurt, but it also came from like a story or whatever, like a children's story. Yes, it's a Polish fairy tale. So, yeah, it's all about, you know, I don't know, a witch or somebody. And not sleeping in woods. Yeah, you don't sleep in the woods because the witch will eat you if you do. Which, I mean, when you think about how fairy tales come from parents telling stories to try to scare their children into behaving, like, were there a lot of Polish children who just wandered (laughs) off to sleep in the woods and the parents were like, we need to come up with a fairy tale to put an end to this. Let's put a stop to this nonsense. (laughs) They're always sleeping out in the woods. <laughs> so this movie starts out right off the bat. You're in a house and a woman, like kind of a middle-aged farmhouse kind of woman, is doing laundry on one of those like one of those instruments you use if you're in a jug band. <laughs> yeah, it's a washing board, I think. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> also usable for washing. <laughs> That was the joke I was making. Uh-huh. Um, yes, so she's doing laundry on a washing board, but she clearly has blood all over her, and the clothes, whatever she's washing, is covered in blood. And hmm. there's like a bloody teddy bear on the floor, and then you see a picture of her two boys up on the wall, and oh, so many questions coming from that one scene. Right away, we wonder, and the mailman comes and delivers her mail. Yes. And he is super sketched out by the idea of being there. Yeah. Like, he seems really uncomfortable. Well, I don't know if he he looked in the window and saw that she was doing that or something, or he heard screaming, or I don't know. Yeah. Because he shouldn't have been uncomfortable, because she was just, like, they were just another family that lived in that area Mm -hmm. until that very day. Yep. So, I don't know. I think that was a little bit of movie magic, like forcing some foreshadowing yeah 
So that poor guy got pulled into the basement. Yes, by an unknown demon <gasps> of, of some kind. Scary. And then, ta-da, it's 30 years later. It's 30 years later, and we're all going to camp. But we don't get to enjoy fine podcasts such as this one because it's camp for not using technology. Yes. Theoretically, all the kids at this camp are addicted to technology and have been sent here as like a form of rehab. Punishment. Yeah. By a bunch of boomer parents who don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Especially true because one of the kids is like, so I'm a gamer. I play a lot of games. I won a bunch of contests and I was going to go to, was it like Korea or something? Yeah, championships in Korea. I was going to go to the championships and I could have won a million dollars and instead my parents sent me here because they think I spend too much time on the computer. And I was like, oof. Mm -hmm. Oof. Yeah, that was Yulek. Because this is a Polish film. Mm Mm-hmm. At first, there were like a whole, it's a whole camp. There's like 50, 100 kids. I don't know. It's a a lot of teenagers milling around. And I thought this was going to turn into like a zombie thing because there were way too many people around. They definitely had a large extras casting call. Mm -hmm. Probably that these kids all found on the internet because they spent too much time there. I bet. But very quickly, though, we whittle that down as one of the camp counselors takes a group of six kids with her on a three-day hike. And so we're just following them, and that's it. We still have the same, like, tropey characters Mm -hmm. that happen in any, like, it doesn't matter that this is taking place in Poland. Like, it's exactly (laughs) the same as any American camp show where you've got, like, the jock, you've got... The nerd. The nerd. You've got the girl who's just all sex appeal. And then you've got the girl who's like smart, super and, dorky and knows yeah. too much. Yeah. yeah. Who else do we have? Well, and then there was the bully-ish guy who later turns out to be the gay guy. Sure, sure. So there's just the five. Yeah. Sorry. Five kids. Okay. So, and they get taken out by Miss Isa, who is like hardcore... <laughs> Like I thought you were really shortcutting the description of the movie. They get taken out. (laughs) (laughs) No. Well, they do, but not by Miss Isa. Miss Isa is their camp counselor. Yes, she is. And they wander out there and like they they basically like a priest comes and says a prayer over the whole group. And then they're like. (laughs) Praise over the phones. You guys are on your own. Like head out into the woods. I don't know. There was some explanation of like, you each have a mission to accomplish or something. Well, they were like, they were doing, you know, like kind of therapy to a degree with them. Yes. Cause Miss Isa definitely had like files on each of them and yeah. she would call out their stuff. Like, yeah. She called out Ulek and was like, oh, so you spend too much time playing games. And that's when he explained, yeah, to make millions of dollars, I do. Sure, sure. And you noted the uh, classic American movie stereotypes, and there were other things in here. And I think this is one of those cases of like a fresh, young, upstart director, and he's putting all his homages and influences on his sleeve and having fun with it. For okay. example, there was a cop car, which was number 237. Just little things they snuck in there. I don't know what that means. It's the room in the Shining Hotel. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah. Okay. Another one like that, which I found excessive, was there is the first murder in this movie is one of the kids is in a sleeping bag and gets picked up in the sleeping bag and just slammed against a tree over and over. Yeah. And that is literally exactly the same as one of the Friday the 13th movies. Really? Yeah. Okay, so then... So there were definitely... I I was not picking up on these. I was only vaguely interested in this movie. Solely. And I think I was not... Like, I didn't have quite enough mental energy and focus to be paying attention to a film that was not in my language. Like, I looked away from the screen too often. And so I think I was missing some, like, details. But... Because I was listening to it, there were several musical cues where I was like, that sounds really familiar. For example, toward the end, the final girl is stabbing one of the bad guys through the chest with a knife and, you know, with a repeated stabbing motion. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely the psycho, like, stabbing in the shower sound. And then there was something else at some point and I can't remember what it was because I honestly was like oh you're probably just imagining that where I thought this sounds very much like what it made me think of was Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. but like there was a there was some kind of musical component where I'm like that sounds really familiar yeah that would so, make sense yeah I'm sure it was whatever it was that I was recognizing and in this homage vein we have one of the biggest and most blatant is after somebody's been murdered or at least has disappeared and they suspect he's murdered because there's blood on the tree they split up which is smart of course they do and Ulek is complaining about this and he's like there are six rules of horror movies and he's going through them and of course that's a scream thing uh-huh so there's six ways you die one is curiosity mm-hmm. two is disbelief three is confidence being like i can handle this four is the unattractive person never makes it five is sex sex is a death sentence he says mm. and six is splitting up Mm-hmm. So I immediately wrote all of those down and left room to put who gets killed by each one. Of course. And I, I did write something on each spot, but I, they're a little iffy. So they definitely split the party. Yes. And so I'm going to say the sex one is easy because yes. it was the jock guy, right? Who yeah, everyone thought was, Daniel. you know, like he was so worldly and whatever. And it turns out he's a virgin. And so the sexy girl cures him of that little problem <laughs> And then he gets murdered. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, What else happens? Well, you like, when he was saying these things, he was obviously very concerned about the unattractive rule. And he's like, oh, there I go. And in fact, he died. So I just put him on that spot. Yeah, he did. There is, uh, just a quick aside, there's a wood chipper in this movie. Which, (laughs) when I think about it, is that an homage to Fargo? Especially how, because it almost got cartoonish in the sense that, like, the bad guy puts the priest through the wood chipper and is, like, holding his legs and, like, you can tell he's just shaking them because it's not a real person being wood chipped, right? There's nobody kicking. And so he's just, like, kind of shaking the legs (laughs) as he holds them into the wood chipper and it looked kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I thought it was supposed to be the... 
you know, the vibration of the wood chipper, not the kicking, but well, either way. I mean, right. It could have been either, but it was so clearly yeah. just the person doing it, the actor doing it. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was maybe an homage to Fargo. Or but something a upstart young horror guy would do is make an homage to Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That is Which has more a likely. great wood chipper situation. Yes. And is more cartoonish than Yes, Fargo. very cartoonish and very horror. So back to my aside. Oh, yeah, yeah. We see the wood chipper and they walk right by it going into the church. And you're like, oh, oh Chekhov's mm-hmm. wood chipper. Uh-huh. So that, that is happens. That is exactly what I wrote, Chekhov's wood chipper. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> and the priest hears it start up outside, looks out the window, is like, what is that? And it goes out and is curious and dies for being curious. Which actually ends up saving the one kid temporarily. Artek. Because the priest... Was doing the thing. There's a trope. Yeah. Which, where it, he had captured Bartek and tied him to a chair and put a ball gag in his mouth and was like having a heart to heart with him. Yeah. It was unclear to me what his intentions were. I mean, you have an idea when it's a priest, but the things he was saying were weird and like yeah. hateful, like he was going to murder this kid. Well, it was... I mean, it was one of those, like, self-hating. The fact that you exist creates a temptation for me, which therefore means that you must be the devil and I have to eradicate you because otherwise you will make me do bad things. Yeah. So creepy priest in the movie. Yeah. But so the bad guy, like, saves Bartok by wood chipping the priest. Very nice. Um, And that's all lovely. Yeah. Weird thing about that, though, is... This seems like a huge hole in the movie. Shortly after that, Bartek looks out the window. He gets his hands untied, looks out the window, sees the wood chipper situation, and is like, oh no, and goes and hides in the confessional. The murderer comes inside the building, and what we see is that he opens up the confessional and reaches in, and we're like, oh, well, that's it for Bartek. Only later, Bartek shows up and is fine, and no mention is made of what happened. He's fine momentarily. Well, momentarily fine. (laughs) The sad part for him is that he escapes the church (laughs) to get to the only other location in... Like, there are three buildings in these woods, right? Miles apart from each other. There's, There's... well, first of all, there's the camp, right? Yeah. But then there are three buildings. There's the church with the creepy priest. There's the farmhouse where the mom and her two boys lived. And then there is this other like shack in the woods where the mailman lives. Mm-hmm. So apparently he only delivered mail <laughs> to one house. Yes. <laughs> yep. So Bartok escapes the church and manages to get to the mailman's house, which is like the only safe place in the woods, except the mailman is so paranoid about what's going on that he shotgun blasts the door and Bartok dies like for no reason. Yeah. So what, which death is that? Which I left him under splitting up just because he and Angela were one part of the splitting up side of the equation and she definitely got killed for splitting up i think because she was just out in the woods like yeah they were she was sitting there talking with bartek and amazingly killed silently with a pole jammed through the back of her head so that was a comment that i had the number of times that these like monstrous (laughs) men filled with alien beings 
Yes. I think. We'll get into that. I mean, they were they were wearing little Polish boy suits grown up into <laughs> men, right? Like yeah. these Edgar these, suits. Yes, these bodies were not well controlled. And the number of times that they were able to absolutely silently sneak up on someone mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods yeah. was stunning. It's real weird, but that's their alien abilities. I guess. So yeah, I I agree. Those are splitting the party um, because they wouldn't. Those things wouldn't have happened to them if they hadn't gone off on their own. Yeah, I put Isa down as the confidence death because she was in a situation where the killer was right there and the kids were with her, two of the kids, and she was like, "Get out of here!" And she grabbed you know some some kind of implement from nearby and was like, "I'll fend him off and keep you guys safe." And it's not big confidence, but well, she thought she could have a chance. Yes, it was clear on her face that she was like, I'm going to take care of this. She was a well-skilled, like, woods person. Like, mm-hmm. I think she had reason to be confident that she'd be able to protect herself and these kids that were her job to protect. So, yeah, that makes sense. So then the disbelief one was just, I believe, I don't disbelieve. The final girl is being driven to safety by a cop who accidentally runs over somebody and is like, he gets out of the car to go check. And she's banging on the windows because she's trapped in the back because it's a cop car. And she's banging on the window saying, no, don't do it. And he thinks it's going to be something fine. And he that's the sort of disbelief that mm-hmm. he has. And he doesn't mm-hmm. think it's a bad thing. And, of course, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing about that is that the final girl, who I called Sarah Connor in yeah. all of my notes, yeah. she was trying to start the cop car, and <laughs> it couldn't start because obviously, like we learned in Scare Package, there's a there's a distance required between a car and a horror movie bad guy before that car will be able to start. Yeah, if they get too close, challenge. it like messes with the again car. Pulling out the tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's fun that they that they had those things and that they pulled in all these different references and whatnot. Um, and, you know, like I said, I called the final girl Sarah Connor. Her name was... Zosha. Zosha. But she wore a figurine of... He said it was a Terminator. Yeah, it was a Terminator. Was it? I could never tell what it looked no, like. No, it was a Terminator. At the end, she said it wasn't, that it was this other guy. But it, then I think from the story she was telling, that other guy yeah, was, was just a character that her sister had made up. Yeah. It was a Terminator figurine that her dad had had. So that was a reference, too. Yes. Yes. I know that Terminator is not really a horror movie. It's more yeah, sci-fi, but it's kinda. a horror sci-fi yeah. for sure. So, yeah, lots and lots of little references. Now I'm trying to see like what what other references did I miss? Oh, I'm so sure. So the the alien came in a meteorite yeah, or something. Yeah, that's been in there's a lot of movies that very much had that exact yeah. meteor crashed into the ground. It's smoking there and people come check people it come, out. Yeah. Stephen King did that in one of the Creep Show or whatever movies and it made him turn into grass. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sure that there's some like 40s or 50s movie that they were really referencing from that. And that's the thing. Okay. This Mm, movie begins with, first of all, the two little blonde boys 
and their mom and even she put them to bed and they're like good night mommy made me think of good night mommy yeah Ooh. And they even murdered her. They did. And I was even thinking like, I was thinking more like The Shining because it was that sort of like, that sort of thing. Again, if we're thinking about who was making this movie, if we're thinking a younger director was making this movie, Goodnight Mommy would be an excellent reference to put in there. Uh, And so there was that. But then, you know, when the movie begins, we see that, you know, it's kids locked in the basement that eat people, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, people under the stairs. That's a movie about that. Mm -hmm. And that sets up, okay, that's going to be the killers. They're just, you know, crazy cannibal boys. And then we see them grown up and they're big, pustule ridden, gross mutant guys. Mm -hmm. And immediately I'm like, this is like we've seen dozen times at least mm-hmm. the sto- the old story of be afraid of people who are different because mm-hmm. you know it's they're literally just people who have some deformities i don't remember what movie it was but there was the one where it was in like the florida swamps and it was literally just that like it was just a, a guy with some physical and developmental issues yeah And of course, that always makes them super strong somehow. Yes, super strong, indestructible, and very murderous. Yeah. And so I was very disappointed that that's what it was. Then, as you mentioned, the meteor, it turns out, because this is a hodgepodge of all horror ideas, Mm -hmm. that these were perfectly normal, healthy kids who found this meteor that fell in their yard and it infested them with evil alienness. So they're actually alien infested humans. Yes. And that is a uh, fun that that improves it for me. It does. It does. I think it's possible that that was an intentional taking of what is really not an acceptable trope anymore. Like we have largely matured past the ooh people who are different are scary and taking that in unacceptable trope from the past and turning it you know twisting it intentionally to make it yeah to make it immigrants are scary (laughs) well there is that (laughs) they're taking our jobs and our children I mean, inherently, horror is kind of problematic because it is entirely about fears. fears, And our fears are so often truly unfounded and based on ignorance or confusion or trauma responses. But I will say, if aliens land on our planet and start eating us, it's okay to be afraid of them and maybe even to fight back. I mean, sure, sure. When I think about that, though, I think about, like, turning that around, and I don't remember. There was something, some TikTok or something I was looking at la- yesterday that suddenly had me thinking, like, there's going to be a point where we realize that so many other species on this planet have so much more awareness, mm-hmm. and, like, it's going to make the g- generational trauma and conflict of slavery look like mm. minuscule compared to that's interesting the millennia of humans systematically attacking other species yeah we're not great like for real and i don't know why i was thinking that but i'm like oh yeah if that ever happens like that's that's gonna be a problem don't worry we will not live that long 
<laughs> we as a species, I mean, not just us. That's true. But so, okay. But the reason I thought of that just now was like, now I'm thinking like Ender's Game, Speaker for the Dead, or even The Sparrow, which is also about yeah. a book about cultural misunderstanding between yeah. two alien species. Like there's so many situations, like if those aliens come and start eating us and we're just like, fight back, murder them all, chase them off. Okay. Be like, but eating you is how we make friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not okay. No, it's not okay. But if, it, you know, if it comes from a place of misunderstanding, cultural misunderstanding, yeah. like that's not fixing the problem. That's no. compounding the problem, which will then never stop being a problem. That's, that is a common sci-fi trope this idea that conflict started by a disagreement and at this point we don't even know what it was anymore yeah yeah Yeah. especially when the disagreement is from both sides so one-sided literally you came to our planet and started killing us like (laughs) what were we supposed to think whereas the other aliens are probably like literally we were starving to death and we needed to eat anything and we had no idea that you were sentient because look at you (laughs) i mean come on (laughs) we were so shocked to learn (laughs) have you seen your movies (laughs) like literally we would look like like cows or chickens to to some more evolved species right (laughs) yeah it's so it's bizarro. Early in this movie, before we knew they were aliens, I made a note of the pustules of insanity mm. because this is a thing mm-hmm. where people who are crazy and dangerous in horror movies in horror movies have growths on them. Like it, yes, it's it's their inner evil coming out on their body, and it's like that's not how that works. Not only is it not how that works. <laughs> In the real world, if you think about it, I'll just speak from my own personal experiences. In my personal experience, it is the people who have the most outer, you know, symmetry and traditional good looks who have the grossest insides. Yeah. And I'm not saying all pretty people are evil inside. (laughs) Like that's, I'm not making that generalization, but like people who don't fit into the norms and the standards are the ones who understand what it's like to be ostracized and alienated and bullied and they tend to not do those things to other people yeah usually usually i mean there are exceptions obviously but then on the other side you've got the people who have just had life handed to them on a platter because people look at them and go what can i do for you (laughs) and they don't understand and they don't ever have to develop any empathy or or compassion cool yeah, it's totally the opposite of what we see in horror movies all the time. Yeah, well, because horror movies are furthering that fear of the other. Yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about when Yulik and Zoja are the only two left. Mm-hmm. And they are chained up in the basement of the house. And the alien-infused brothers are <laughs> sleeping upstairs. And Yulik has had his tongue chewed out by one of the brothers. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And I assume has some other injuries, too, because as traumatic as that would be, I don't think you would ask someone to kill you to put you out of your misery. He was uh, stabbed in the stomach. Okay, okay. Yeah, she was pulling that knife. Okay. So, like, he was so injured that he 
they're the only two left, and he is asking her to put him out of his misery. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to ask her because he's had his tongue gnawed off. Yeah. He's having a hard time communicating. I'm not even sure what I'm asking about that scene or why I bring it up other than it was one of the more horrific scenes to me. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. And I guess it's that it's that situation where someone is giving up and then someone else is having to decide, do I let them give up yeah. or do I make them keep fighting or whatever? And she decides to do it like she. I mean, yeah, he wasn't he was probably not going to survive anything. No, but that's. Not generally a decision we're allowed to make for other human beings, even if they ask us to. Sometimes. It's it's so complicated, yeah. What concerns me is how she did it. Because... (laughs) Which might be why we're not allowed to do this. Yeah. Because he had this knife in his stomach, and it was just in there. And he kept like grabbing her hand and putting it on there and being like, do this. And so what she ends up doing is she just twists it. And I Which, don't think that's going to kill you. That's no. just going to make you die faster, but well, more horribly. Right? Not so fast that you won't know that there's yeah. someone spinning a knife around inside you. <laughs> yeah, like, that's oh. not fun. I mean, that's literally a form of torture. Like, that's the thing in all the action movies <laughs> yeah. that they, like, stab and then twist. Yeah, it's Ugh. much worse. Yeah, that was that was pretty horrific. You know what she should have done is taken the knife out, which A, would have caused him to bleed out faster because, you know, that's a yeah. horror movie thing is whether or not you should remove the, the thing stabbing through you. But also she should have stabbed into his esophagus like we learned in Death's Roulette. That's the fastest way to die. The doctor told us. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't believe him. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that was the thing. It was stabbed through the esophagus to the heart. And I feel like your esophagus is behind your sternum, which makes that very difficult. You could go over a little and actually just hit the heart. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. I don't know how any of this know. works. I'm not a doctor or a murderer. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I fully declare non-murdering. <laughs> uh, that, that murdery doctor in that other movie, though, was a liar, so... Doctors can be liars, but I'm not a doctor. Um, Wink. Wink. So they managed to bring in one more kind of horrific thing and a horror movie trope at the very end because we get the like end credit scene of these two brothers who are kind of offhandedly mentioned. The cop hears like over his radio that that these two brothers that are not the not the same brothers. Oh. Not yes. the alien brothers, but like these two other brothers who live nearby are out in the woods dressed up in their <laughs> World War II uniforms celebrating Hitler's birthday. And we're yeah. just like, well, that's, that's not creepy good. and unfortunate. And it's just kind of like a little throwaway thing. And then in the end credit, we see the two brothers walking down the road and they're coming across the remains of one of the alien brothers and it's very, very strongly hinted that the alien goo is about to find two new brothers. Oh, I thought he was just going to get up and kill them. No, I think because the other brother is definitely dead. He's not, though. What? He gets up. What? He just gets up out of bed and moves on about his day. I don't know, maybe these alien brothers are indestructible. But what I I thought, like, oop, we're setting up a sequel where the two, like, uh. Hitler-celebrating brothers are now the alien-infused brothers, 
And like it, that's just the thing that aliens do is like they keep traveling through. That might be the case because there is a sequel, and I don't know who the monster Mm. is in the sequel. Well, there was a lot of open-endedness, which is a very horror trope. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. A special horror trope is the monsters were both killed, and in the post credit scene, we see them get back up, and they're fine. Of course. And the final girl has already driven off and thinks... Whew, that was close. <laughs> I sure murdered some people today. Good thing I solved that problem. I'm going to go live my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's how things work. Oh, no, there's a whole other thing that we haven't discussed at all, hardly. What's that thing? Why did we have the whole backstory of Zoja, the final girl, having been through a car accident and her parents and her sister dying in this car accident. Why is she at technology addiction camp? That we don't know. Especially we don't know who sent her there because it's not her parents. Uh, That's true. (laughs) The ghosts of her parents. There is a whole thing where the camp counselor is like, let's see why you're here. And she looks at the file. She's like, "Never mind. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that was just because of the whole car wreck thing. She's like, oh, your parents were killed. That's terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not really explained why she's there. But classic horror trope, she's overcoming her past trauma, even to the point where she has to drive this cop car and run over somebody with it, which is and she does difficult repeatedly. for repeatedly. Yeah. yeah, repeatedly. Yeah, she definitely goes from being like very quiet, mousy. I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to see me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just here, like existing, and I would prefer no one acknowledge that. To being a final girl, where she's you know. Reading the bad guys and driving over somebody else. And yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of time spent flashing back to her story where I have no idea why, because it doesn't relate to anything else. It barely relates to the things that she's doing. Yeah. I don't know. They didn't give us that background for anybody else. No, I think it's just the, you know, overcome your trauma and be strong. I guess. Nothing special, really. Also, they wanted to be able to show her dad crawling out of a burning car on fire, which was a pretty, like, disturbing scene. Yeah, he was certainly on fire. Crawling out there and then making eye contact with her (laughs) and then dying. Like, yeah, I can see why she's a little messed up. Yeah, she was traumatized by that for some reason. What we haven't mentioned about this movie is that it is a cartoon. It's not actually a cartoon, but it's... That would have been (laughs) burying the lead way far. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been fun, actually. (laughs) But it is super colorful all throughout, and everything in it except one kill happens during the daytime, which is funny because it's called Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight. (laughs) But it's not just daytime, but it's like bright day Mm -hmm. everything about this movie is super bright super colorful even the car crash is in the middle of the day it's like a bright sunny day and it's just like it's peppy yeah (laughs) and that along with all the references and you know like over the topness of it like this you know it's not just cannibal brothers killing people but there there's a meteor that 
made them into alien monsters. Like everything is silly and extreme. And so it's like, it's a goofball movie. It's not a comedy really, Mm -mm. but it's goofy. Mm -hmm. Like it's just having fun with horror basically there's a it's it's mildly surreal I yeah think. yeah because it's like a fever dream it's yes so bright and so colorful you know like it's homage it's mm-hmm. it's let's reminisce about all the fun horror things we've seen and it's that and so you're just supposed to laugh so that's fun it's like it's that kind of movie where it's more fun than depressing and sad and whatever even though it's not funny funny or anything but does that make it good it definitely wasn't bad like it was well done and just a goofy fun time but i wasn't like having a blast or anything i was just like okay i hate to go this low but three and a half metal shins out of five and i think it's a good movie like i feel bad doing that but i just wasn't super excited about what was going on yeah yeah, I I have to agree. I and and like I said earlier, it might have been just my state of mind. Like I was just too tired mm-hmm. for the the focus necessary to watch a film in another language. But I definitely was distracted from this story very easily. Like I didn't really care that much. And maybe that's because so much of it was so tropey where I was like, yeah. yep. Yep, that's that's what's supposed to happen to him. He's the jock. That's what's supposed to happen yeah. to him. He's the nerdy guy. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that was it. I do wonder if I had known this is a movie filled with references. Yeah. Even as subtle as this, you know, just the little bit of a soundtrack that happens in this moment or whatever. Like, if I had known that, I might have sort of like when I'm watching like a paranormal activity movie and I know that there's going to be <laughs> things to see, I'm much more engaged in watching it yeah. and looking for those things. I think that might have helped me just because I would have been the fun of like can, playing I spy while I watch the movie, right? Yeah. But that wasn't obvious from the beginning. It wasn't obvious from the things that I knew about it, which was like next to nothing, I guess. So maybe somebody knowing that might enjoy it better. I think also, as much as I would have enjoyed looking for those things, I don't think I would have noticed enough of them because that's not why I watch horror. That's not how I watch horror. Given the number of horror movies that you and I have watched together, I should be much more capable of talking about... (laughs) horror as a genre and like knowledgeable about it. And I'm not because I don't retain that information. Mm. I don't care. I'm watching each one individually as a story, Yeah, not to build my like credit in terms (laughs) of, can I talk about horror more intelligently than other people? Like the fact that we don't know what movie the meteorite was referencing. I am sure that there are people who would Mm. listen to this and be infuriated that we don't know this like cornerstone pivotal movie in I horror. Mean, there's just so many that have almost that exact scene that it's but, not fair. But this is what I'm saying is that those are all referencing the one that everyone who is knowledgeable about horror knows. And I that feel like there's like night of the comet. Like that's what my brain keeps oh, saying. Night of the comet is very different actually. Okay. Well, it's an 80s movie that is so 80s that it explodes in your face. <laughs> well, 
whatever it is, I feel like there is a very concrete, like 1940s movie yeah. where that exact thing happens and we should know it and we don't because we don't know anything about anything. True. So this sort of movie where they throw those kinds of references in for the people who obsessively gather details yeah. about the genre, it kind of just like goes over my head. So I don't know. I, I do think that this movie would be better for other people. I am also going to give it three and a half metal shins out of five, but it's a three and a half that is leaning hard toward four. Yeah, me because too. Because I, I agree. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was not necessarily funny, but it was entertaining mm -hmm. in that like, oh, I recognize that yeah, kind of way. It was light, lighthearted. Yes, yes. And I think they could have played that up more. Like there were no ghosts in this movie. There could have just been ghosts for some reason and zombies at some point you know like just really gone out there i mean when i think about it 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 does remind me a little bit of scare package only scare yeah. package went more surreal when yeah. it did play it up and we liked that more I yeah think. that and that was definitely a comedy that was totally yes. ridiculous so i don't know it just wasn't it, it's not the right movie for what i like to watch but i i think that my score of it would be lower than a lot of people who really like horror yeah that's fair, and we agree with each other. Yeah. Fight the horror of a world gone mad. So I know I said I wasn't going to do any hot political tips for a while, but I also said that I wasn't going to do any hot political tips as long as Abbott didn't call a special session. And much like these alien <laughs> pustule brothers who just keep getting up, we closed the legislative session, the 88th legislative session, at 6 p.m. on the 29th of May. And at 9 p.m. on the 29th of May, Abbott called the first special session. He gave us three hours that's, in between. That's how long you get no hot political tips for. Ugh. <laughs> so I am not going to dive right back into doing hot political tips constantly like i do need some time off um i think we all do we're just going to take a little bit more a little longer break than than greg abbott was willing to give me but i did want to acknowledge that the texas legislature is in special session they are deep in uh all kinds of internal fighting where the house has already adjourned sin die from the special session which means they can't do any more work <laughs> They passed two bills, sent them to the Senate, and then adjourned sin die. And basically that was them saying, take it or leave it, buddies. And then the Senate is over there not wanting to take it, but also knowing that if they leave it and they adjourn sin die, that Greg Abbott can just call another special session two minutes later. Mm -hmm. So the Senate is slowly working on their border bills and ignoring the property tax stuff that the house is trying to shove down their throat and just letting this session go on. It could go on for 30 days. And in the meantime, like, I don't even know what Greg Abbott is doing, probably sweating because Ken Paxton has been removed from his office as oh attorney gosh. general. There's so much politics going on that you're not telling us about. And just last night, the uh, Republican donor that Ken Paxton was breaking all the laws for, got arrested on FBI charges 
And holy cow, like there's all kinds of stuff going on. So please read the paper. (laughs) As if there are papers anymore, solely. (laughs) But I am just popping in to say there's stuff to pay attention to, but we're not going to continue paying attention to it at the end of these podcasts until like the end of this summer. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So let's pay attention to a movie and have some fun and some popcorn. And say lots of things as if we know what's going on when we, we in fact don't. know nothing about We know nothing. nothing about nothing. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. saddle again what is happening i guess we got a podcast to do who is this this is a character i have never met i'm johnny podcast (laughs) johnny podcast and we're hitting the range okay